Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on jruradio.com. We are, Be'azat Hashem, going to begin our series or continue our series of Halakhot of the Holidays as we usually do when a time of Purim comes. We stop, we talk about the holiday Halakhot and then Be'azat Hashem will continue. We'll pick up after a few weeks after the holiday of Pesach. Be'azat Hashem will come back to our normal Benish high class. We'll continue from where we left off. So before we get to the halachot, we are just a little bit of an introduction. We are doing the halachot of Pesach. For the next four weeks until the holiday of Pesach, Hashem, we will be going through the what we believe are the most important practical halachot. In the past, we've always mentioned that there are much, much more halachot. Baruch Hashem, over the hard work of Iran here at the Jeru Radio Station, and with a lot of help from the J-Root. And over the past couple of years, we've worked on some very, very important videos, which we can't discuss. We don't have time to usually talk about it every single year, but we have, Baruch Hashem, worked on them, and they are accessible, and you can get them. If you have YouTube, you can go to YouTube, and you could watch them. I believe they're also on the jrootradio.com website. Or, Baruch Hashem, we have a new thing. We have an email. You could email us, and we could try to send it to you in some sort of media, either through a CD or through a link. And the email is, remember this email, it's not hard, halakhahour at gmail.com. Halakha is H-A-L-A-C-H-A, then hour, H-O-U-R, dot com. So you can spell halakha basically the way halacha, right, without the H, and then hour.com at gmail.com. This is our new email for any questions that are for the class. Either you have a question on what we spoke about or you have uh, a way that you'd like to, uh, or maybe you would want to listen to some old classes. Whatever it may be, that's a way to contact us. That's something new. And uh, that's the first thing. We're going to be talking about Halachot Pesach from now to the four weeks. But the Halachot of the Seder, we have a full two-hour video in English and about a three-hour video in Arabic exactly how to run the Seder. We're currently working on translation and explanation of the entire Haggadah Shal Pesach in English and in Arabic as well. In English, it's actually going to be something special. It's going to be from the Pirush of the Maharal, Gibrot Hashem. That's something very, very special. We're working hard on that one. Be'azat Hashem, we're working on a video of how to make matzah shot live, or wasn't live now, it's, you're not going to watch it live, but basically it was shot in the matzah bakery. Also, how to do, how to be machshir kelim, a video showing all the different household items, especially in the kitchen, that what we have to do to prepare them for the holiday of Pesach. So make sure you check all these things out. Some of them are out already, some of them will be out soon. If you, have, if you have any questions, just email us at halakhahour at gmail.com. Now, to contact us here in the, by the station, we usually don't like to take phone calls in the middle of the class because there's so much to speak about. And uh, we hope that Razat Hashem will cover. But of course, we know that we don't cover every single area, and especially people have their own uh, cases, special cases. We'll give you the phone number, but we'll only take phone calls at the end of the class at 3 o'clock. And the phone number is 718-683-5858. You can also text, uh, text us at 
That is introduction number one. Introduction number two. The times and the dates for the holiday of Pesach, 5776, let's begin with Rosh Hodesh Nisan, will be Parashat, well, see, this week is Shemini, then it's going to be Parashat Tazriya. We're going to, they're going to have the uh, Rosh Hodesh Nisan on Parashat Tazriya. That will be not this Shabbat, this Shabbat afterwards. It's going to be April 9th. Pesach, the holiday of Pesach, is going to, this year it's going to fall out on Shabbat again. And the holiday will be Erev Pesach, the time when we have to get rid of all the hamits and everything else, will be on Friday, April 22nd. And the first day of Pesach will be on Shabbat, that's Friday night, April 23rd. And the final day of Pesach, Shemini Shel Pesach, here in Chutzla Aretz, will be on April 30th. That's going to be the Shabbat following the next week. That will be the final day, which means May 1st already, Pesach is not around. That's a way to remember it. It's going to be from April 23rd until the end of the month of April, the holiday of Pesach and year, Tabshin Ein Vav. Let's begin now with the halachot, with the basically all the different details that one needs to know for the holiday of Pesach. There are many subjects of, yeah, I've listed 11 subjects that a person really has to study. When Hazal tell us that a person needs to prepare for the holiday 30 days in advance, although the different interpretations of Sho'alim Doshim Belchota Hag, Shloshim Yom Lefnei Hag, 30 days in advance before the holiday, a person has to prepare himself for the laws of the holiday. There are different interpretations. Some say that it's the responsibility of the rabbi to teach it. Some say, no. What it means is that if a rabbi is, uh, is asked a question in the subject of Pesach or subject of the holiday, within 30 days of the holiday, he must answer that question first. It gets priority. And some say, no, it means that everybody must learn the laws 30 days beforehand. Well, Rabbi I'll tell you, certainly, all of them are true. And especially in the holiday of Pesach, you won't find more true. You won't find the statement more true. There's so many halachot for the sake of the holiday of Pesach itself and everything revolved around it. Here are the 11 categories of halachot that person should keep in mind. Number one, the laws of the month of Nisan. Number two, the laws of checking for hametz and burning in the hametz, known as bedikat hametz. Number three, hechsher kelim, preparing the utensils, the food utensils that we need for the holiday of Pesach. That includes hag'ala, um, koshering basically all the dishes and everything else that we need for Pesach. Number four, afiyat matzah, baking the matzah. What it takes to make matzah matzah, what makes the matzah of the lel seder, what are the requirements for it? That's Afiyat Matzah. Number five, the laws of Arif Pesach. And there are plenty. It's not, it's simple, but there's still, it's another category. Number six, the laws of the Seder. That's a whole, a uh, few semanim by itself. Number seven, the laws of the holiday of Pesach in general. If mixtures of Hamids get mixed with other things, and that's a lot. Number eight, the laws of Yom Tob. Pesach also, we have two days of Yom Tov in the beginning, two days of Yom Tov at the end. You need to know also the Hachot of Yom Tov, what a person can do regularly on a regular Yom Tov. Number nine, the laws of Hula Mu'ed, right? Between the two holidays, of in the beginning and the end of Pesach, 
we have a Hula Mu'ad. And there's Halakhot. There's about 20 Simanim in on the laws of Hula Mu'ad. Number 10, we start on the second night of Pesach to count the Omer, Sfirat Omer. And finally, the 11th category of Halakhot are Minhagim, customs in the days of the Omer. Although they don't truly take effect until after the holiday of Pesach, but still, since we jump from Pesach right into the days of the Omer, where we have to know what to do. So therefore, it puts it as another category that we have to prepare ourselves. Yeah, that's a lot. We have a lot of different things. So therefore, Abotai, brace yourself and uh, get ready for this holiday. It's a holiday where everybody needs to put work and effort to be ready for this holiday. We obviously cannot discuss all these halakhot. It's impossible. Time doesn't allow us. The time will finish and these halakhot will never finish. Baruch Hashem Torah is endless and the cases that pop up year after year, it's also endless. So we've outlined over here what we feel is the most important uh, laws that we need to know about we'll, that we're going to discuss here in the halakha hour. And for the rest of the halakhot, we're working on whether it's a video or separate classes which you could access, you know, beyond this realm. Number one, we will be discussing the final two parashiyot that are known as, the, from the Arba parashiyot, they're known as parashat paran, parashat ahodesh, which must be read back to back. That's the first thing we're going to speak about. Number two, the laws of the month of Nisan, the special halachot pertaining specifically to this month of Nisan. Number three, koshering your house for Pesach. This includes three subcategories. Number one is where to clean for Pesach. Number two is to kosher your utensils, your kitchen for Pesach and everything else. And final number three is selling your hamits. Fourth category that we're going to speak about is Pesach shopping. The new inventory that's coming in on Pesach, what you need to look out for, buying, for example, the laws of some of the matzah, some of the products and ingredients that one should be on the lookout for. And finally... The laws of Erev Pesach, Bidikat Hamet, Ta'anit Bechorot, that all happens right before Pesach. Eating matzah on Erev Pesach and eating a meal on Erev Pesach. There's a lot of halakhot on, that we need to know about and we need to prepare ourselves for. And although I have here in my notes also the laws of the Seder night, Baruch Hashem, we've, we've worked on a very, very hard last year with really high quality um, picture of how to perform a seder. So we have that already up online. We may just speak about it very, very, very quickly, unless we have, you know, unless we don't finish through all the halakhot. Let's get to the halakhot. Be'ezat Hashem, we are going to begin with the special Torah readings that we read in the end of the month of Adar, leading up to Rosh Chodesh Nisan. The first thing that we read after Purim is known as Parashat Para. Now, this doesn't come immediately after Purim always. Sometimes it'll come immediately after Purim, sometimes not. So we usually read it, though. It's always going to be read after Purim. And al tells us that the Shabbat that we read, Parashat Para, has to be immediately the week before we read Parashat Ahodesh. They have to be back-to-back. So always the calendar has to work out together. Where do you find Parashat Para? It's the first Aliyah in Parashat Hukat, which discusses, guess what? You got it. It discusses the laws of para aduma. 
Why? What, what is the idea of reading it? So, in the times of Beit HaMikdash, since every single person had a hayub, every single man had a hayub of bringing the Korban Pesach, so how do you bring a Korban? How do you eat from the Korban if you have some sort of Tum'ah? So, there's a lot of Tum'ah that Torah discusses, and there's some Tum'ah that the Hachamimu goes there on. The Tum'ah that's more stringent because it takes, it requires the most amount of work is the Tum'at Mit. In fact, this Tum'ah is so severe, it doesn't allow you to enter the area of Beit HaMikdash. It doesn't allow you to eat from any Kodashim. So therefore, we must purify ourselves. Almost every, not almost, pretty much every single person has to purify himself through the Para Aduma to get rid of himself of the Tum'at Mit. Even if you know yourself, you're a Kohen. You've never been to the cemetery. You've never been around a dead body. But who knows? Maybe you were. Maybe you stepped over somebody. So therefore, we took a special precaution and everybody went through this process of purification from Tumat Met, known as a Para Aduma. Fine, that's simple. Today, we're all Tamimit. We don't have even, yes, they, they claim there is a Para Aduma. I don't know whatever the politics with it is. So, But in any case, even though there is a para, there's no Beit Hamidash or Para Aduma that we need to worry about, but still, still Rabbotai, we have an obligation to read it. We'll be built right away soon. And we have to be ready for it. And we have to be, have to be prepared to be able to bring the Quran Pesa. At least, at least let's read about it and understand. In fact, some hold that this reading of the para Duma, Parashat Para, is an obligation midde'oraita. It's a Torah obligation. It's like putting on tefillin. It's like Parashat Zakhor. We have a hayub, we have an obligation to hear it. So therefore, although some argue, although some argue they hold that's really not the right, that's only the Rebanan, therefore we try to be mahmir, we try to be as stringent as we can to apply all the stringencies that we do to Pashat Zakhor to the reading of Pashat Para Aduma, to Pashat Para. Some examples, I'll give you four things. Number one is, in the shul, we should take out the best Sefer Torah that we have to read Parashat Para. Number two, we should give the Aliyah to a person who is proper, a person who knows how to be motzi, about other people, has other people in mind. It should be also a person who is a gadol, above the age of bar mitzvah. Number three, preferably, it's again, preferably, we want to do as much as we can, right? So preferably, we should also have the person who's getting the Aliyah, he should be the person also reading the Torah. Throughout the year, we're lenient to allow the Baal Koreh to read the parasha, even though, when, even though somebody else is getting the Aliyah. But for parasha, Zakhor and Parah, it's brought down, if it's possible, a person who's getting the Aliyah should be the one also reading the parasha. And finally, if ladies have the ability to hear Parashat Para by coming to shul and listening, they should try. Of course, if they have children in the house or they have other things that they can't make it to shul, fine. Talking about ladies that have the ability, maybe they're not aware of it. They should be made aware. Husbands, tell your wives. Wives, remember, this uh, the Shabbat coming up where we're going to read Parashat Para should be, uh, if you can, try to make it to shul to be able to hear Parashat Para Duma. Now, if for whatever reason... A person cannot make it to shul. It could be a man who is in the hospital, or he has to watch somebody in the hospital, or he is not around a minyan, or it could be a lady who can't make it because she has a little children in the house, she has to be in the house, she has to guard the child, whatever it may be. So in that case, in that case, the you should take out a homash and read 
the first aliyah and a half up to the death of Miriam for Parashat Hukat, from the beginning till the death of Miriam, in from a regular Humash. Why? Because there's a mahlokit, uh, how to understand the mahlokit in Rishonim, if there's an obligation to read the Parashat Para. When we say Parashat Para is min deoraita, does that mean also reading it from a Sefer Torah is also deoraita, or just the reading is deoraita? Which means to say, really, as long as you read Parashat Para, I don't care if you read it by heart, you read from a regular Humash, it's fine. Or some say no. It's a Mizvamna Torah. Those who say that, Zeraita, some also say that you have to take out the Sefer Torah and read it from the scroll. That's also Zeraita. So at least, listen, if you can't hear it, at least take out a Humash. Yeah, you definitely, you'll say according to some opinions and definitely won't lose. So that's what we tell a person. If they're stuck and they can't make it to Shul, for whatever reason, take out Parasha, take out a Humash and read Parashat Parah from there. You can't make it up like Parashat Zakhor and Parashat Kitetzeh. In the summer, when we read Kitetzeh, you can listen to Zakhor and make it up. You can't do this by Parashat Parah Aduma when we read Parashat Hukat later on because Parah Aduma specifically has to be before the holiday of Pesach. And by the time we read Parashat Hukat, it's going to be even after the holiday of Shavuot. So make sure, at least, take out Humash to be Yotzeh Dehubah according to some opinions. Finally, the other part that we read in the month of Adar, and sometimes it's read on Rosh Hodesh Nisan itself, is Parashat Ahodesh. This paragraph is found, this section is found in Parashat Bo, which begins with, which begins with Hashem telling Moshe, Ahodesh Hazelachem, Rosh Hodeshim. This month, the month of Nisan, will be the first month of the entire calendar year, and all... The, 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 as the Gemara explains, this is a Jewish New Year for the Jewish kings and for the holidays. All the details and the laws now pertaining to why it's the beginning of the year can be found in Masech Rosh Hashanah, can be found by other Rishonim, and it can be found also by the Rambam. Look over there, Ayin Sham. Just a small lesson before we move on to the next set of Halachot. Just a small lesson that we can bring out from Parashat Para and Parashat Ahodesh. Remember, the Halakha tells us that they must be read back to back. Now the Gemara tells us that there's a mahloket in the Gemara Masechet Rosh Hashanah. There's a mahloket when the world was created. According to the Yeshua, it may come as a surprise to many people that the world was actually created Rosh Chodesh Nisan. That's right. And that's, guess what? That's the Halakha. That is the halakha. The world is created really with Hodesh Nisan. Ah, you can tell me Tishrei, what's going on? They, they, they sketch me the whole year. They, they, no, no, no. That's different uh, discussion. But Rosh Hodesh Nisan is actually the beginning. That's a halakha. We rule this way. Now that's the beginning of the year. That's when the world was created. And Para Aduma comes right before that. We have to read Parashat Para right before we read Parashat Hodesh, which tells us about the new year. You know what the lesson is? What's the reason why we read Parashat Para? Because really, it's, we're coming to cleanse ourselves from the worst level of Tum'ah, the worst level of contamination known as Tum'at Mit. On a symbolic level, Al-Pidrush, Mit, death, it's something that has no life, that doesn't move. This world, everything moves. You look at scientific uh, books and they'll tell you that every single physical object that we have, even though it looks like it's not moving, it's stable, it's not. When you examine it under a microscope, you'll see that there's neutrons, there's protons and electrons, and then a neutron right in the center. Everything is constantly moving. This earth, you're walking, you don't get a headache. But you know, the earth is spinning. And it's going 
revolve. It's going all the way around the sun. Yes, everything in this world is constantly moving. Not only human beings, plantations, things that are alive, animals, Kalvahoma, human beings, we're always moving. Even solids are always moving. Things always have to be moving. Met is when things cease to move. They stop. Pasuk says, Be'er ma'im hayim. When it talks about running water, it calls it ma'im hayim. Things that are alive are things that are moving. Things that are dead are things don't move. We may have planned from Rosh Hodesh to stray many things and we've accepted upon ourselves goals. And you know what? Personally, and it could be true by other people, that maybe we have not started to work or maybe we have not accomplished what we wanted to work on. We, in a way, died out. We died out from those goals that we wanted. Those goals are dead, the myth. Now is the time to revive them. Now is the time to cleanse ourselves from that sort of death, that spiritual death that's holding us back, that's not allowing us to grow. A person who doesn't grow, he's dead. That's exactly what the grass says. A person who doesn't work on his midot, a person who doesn't grow spiritually, what's the purpose of life? Life is something that's constantly moving. It's, it keeps on changing. A plant, a tree, as you see the tree starting to grow now. There's things are moving and that causes new plants to come, new things to come about. That is what we prepare ourselves. We read it, but it's a reminder we have to get rid of any sort of mitah that we have, any sort of death that we have, any spiritual deadly, deadly parts that we have, we have to get rid of them. We have to revive ourselves. We have to start changing. We have to start anew. And that's the power as the Sfarim bring down. Sfarim bring down the idea of hadash, the idea of renewing yourself is only found by us and our religion. You don't make one mistake and you live with it the rest of your life. No. You made a mistake. You haven't started what you wanted to start. Hadash. You have a new chance, a new year to begin anew, to begin your life anew, to begin your goals anew. And that comes with the satellite of Ratzon. As long as you have a Ratzon. You have to have a will. If you want to be Metaher, you want to purify yourself, we will have the satellite to be Metaher ourselves, to purify ourselves, and to renew ourselves. Let's move on now to the next category of halakhot. The laws of the month of Nisan. What's special about the month of Nisan? Number one is, this is every single shul, shul goer is excited about this. You don't have to daven by chasidim anymore in the month of Nisan because you will have no tachnun even if you're Litvish or Sfaradi or Yemenite. Everybody. It's great. No? No tachnun in the month of Nisan. In the whole entire month of Nisan, from the beginning until the end. What's the reason for this? The answer is, Beit Yosef brings down, well, let's start, everybody agrees on this. The Nesi'im, if you look at the Parashat Naso, the Nesi'im, the leaders, the tribe leaders, in the times when they inaugurated the Mishkan, which took place on Rosh Hashanah Nisan, beginning from Rosh Hashanah Nisan until the following 12 days, including the first day, that means till Yud Bet in the month of Nisan, Every single tribe's leader, every single Nasi brought a special korban that the Torah specifies every detail, every detail of every single person. And therefore, when they brought it, it was a Yom Tov. It was a, considered like a Yom Tov, a holiday, a mini holiday for all the Jewish people. And as Swarim bring down, that Kedusha remained 
in the time, in the zman, in the, and every single year when we come back to the same time, it's again, we get a little bit of the kedushah of those yamim tobim, and therefore, whenever we have yom tov, we don't say tahanun, we don't say anna, we don't say for the svaradim, we don't say lam tzah mizmur davi, although Ashkenazim do, but we skip out as if it was regular, what we call the svaradim as a yehishim. For the, the Ashkenazim, Sfaradim, we call it Hishim. The Ashkenazim, it's just a day of without Tachnun. Not in Shahrit, not in Minha, not in Shachris, not in, in, uh, in Mincha. Yes, even in my room. Okay. Now, the next day, the 13th of Nisan, is like the Isruhag, the day after the holiday. So, anyway, you're not going to say uh, what's it called, Tachnun on that day. And the day afterwards, which is. The 14th of Nisan, that's already Ayre Pesah. Ayre Pesah, we're supposed to bring the Korah Pesah in the middle of the day. So it's like a Yom Tov, as we'll talk about later on. And also, we don't say Tahanun then. And the following day, which is the 15th of Nisan, that's already the first day of Pesah. And that runs all the way until the 21st of Nisan in Eretz Israel and the 22nd in Hutzla Aritz. And even in Eretz Israel, the 22nd of Nisan is already Isruhag, and we're not going to say Tahanun until then. Finally, from the 23rd day of Nisan until the end of the month, which is the 29th of Nisan, we have seven days. How come in those seven days we should say Tahanun then? So the Beit Yosef explains that since the majority of the month was said without Tahanun, we never mentioned Tahanun, so really we just end off the month without it. So Brodan Hakam brings up in Maser Rokeyah that no, these seven days will in the future be Yamim Tobin because these seven days will be the days when we inaugurate and celebrate the opening of the new building known as the third Beit HaMikdash. So therefore, we're celebrating now this Kedushah in the air. And those seven days, we also don't say Tahanun for the future, the near future when the Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt and we're going to celebrate during those seven days. Next, Halachot pertaining to the month of Nisan is the reading of the Parashat Nesi'im. In Parashat Naso, where each, where it talks about over there that each Nasi, each tribe leader brought their special korban, the Torah specifies every detail. The first day was Nahshom Aminadab from the tribe of Yehuda, Korbanoka, Kesef Ahad. So, all that, there's a minhag to read it. It's a minhag, it's a custom, but it's a good custom to read that paragraph. Of that Nasi of that specific day. So the first day, which is Rosh Hodesh Nisan, you're going to read about Shebet Yehuda. The second day, you're going to read about Shebet Zebulun. Third day, Yisachar, and so on and so forth. Now, if you open up Esfaradi Sidur, you'll see that what is only one paragraph in the Torah is Parashat Nesi'im, you have uh, Zohar, you have Nebi'im, you have from Sefer Yehezkel, you're from all over, and then you have a Yiratzon and all these things. So, Me'akar din you don't have to really read all of that, but it's good to read it. I personally, I try to read it, even those things. But if even a person is tight on time, it doesn't have so much time, at least read that paragraph for that day of that Nasi. The Shlab brings down, and I'll quote you the words, By you reading that paragraph on that specific day, that means on Rosh Hodesh Nisan, when you read about the Korban of Nachshom Amin Adam, you bring about the Kedushah of the day. You bring about the holiness of that day. You bring it back. You bring it back into this world to yourself and to the world. Ladies should try to also do it. It's not a Hayyub. It's a Hayyub even for men. But it's good to read. If a lady has time, it's only one paragraph. She should try to read also from the Korbanot and the, the Korban of the Nesi'im for that specific day. Next, in the month of Nisan, 
Hazal tell us that it's a time when we can't have any fasting. You're not allowed to fast in the month of Nisan. It's brought down in Shohan Aruch that you're not allowed to fast in the month of Nisan. You're not allowed to do Hespedim. You're not allowed to have eulogies in the month of Nisan. I want to clarify these two things. Fasting, there's a mahloka between Maran, the Mechaber, and the Rama regarding fasting in the month of Nisan. According to everybody, and that's the opinion of Maran specifically, communal fasts are forbidden. That means we cannot be gozer ta'anit sibur. We cannot make exera for everybody to fast in the month of Nisan. We don't have any fast that we all have to fast in the month of Nisan. That is something that everybody agrees on. But according to Maran, a private ta'anit yahid, what we call ta'anit, a private fast, an individual who wants to fast in the month of Nisan, technically according to Maran, you could fast, if you have a reason to fast, that is. According to the Ramah, he says, no, even ta'anit yahid should be avoided in this month. So therefore it comes out, as Al-Ul points out, that if a person has a yurt site, let's say the 5th of Nisan, a person has a yurt site. So according to Maran, if a person is noheg, usually that he fasts on the day that his parents passed away, so then he can fast. He's a Svaradi, Svaradim follow Maran. You could fast on the 4th or the 5th of Nisan, whatever the yurt site may be. However, according to the Ashkenazim, since fasting, even ta'anit yahid, an individual fast, is forbidden in the month of Nisan, so they cannot fast then. However, the Ashkenazim do permit hatan and kala to fast on their wedding day. So let's say they're getting married on the night after the 4th of Nisan. So the minhag is that the people who fast when they get married, the hatan kala, will fast on the 4th of Nisan. So that drama permits, even though it's a ta'anit yahid, but that, he says the minhag is to allow them to fast. Hatan kala could fast. What about Svaradim? Well, guess what? Svaradim don't have such a minhag. We don't have a minhag that the hatanim, the hatan kala should fast bakhlal. And therefore, although yes, we permit ta'anit yahid, but we don't have this minhag that hatan kala should fast. However, according to everybody, you should try to avoid fasting on Rosh Hodesh when it falls out. On Rosh Hodesh, excuse me. You can, uh, yeah. You should avoid fasting on Rosh Hodesh. Now, when Rosh Hodesh falls out on Shabbat, so anyway, not fasting. Even though Maran brings down that there are days where people do fast, and one of them is a day when Adam and Abihu died, which is Rosh Hodesh Nisan. Still, the Poskim brought down, many Ahronim brought down, that a person should avoid fasting on Rosh Hodesh Nisan. If you have a special custom, check with your local Orthodox rabbi for your minhag. Question. Could someone visit the cemetery in the month of Nisan? We spoke about fasting. We spoke about... Well, we didn't speak about eulogies. Okay, eulogies. Before we get to the cemetery. Eulogies in the month of Nisan are forbidden according to Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. But, Rabotai... Let me explain to you what a eulogy is. A eulogy is when you speak about the niftar, and because you speak about the niftar, it causes everybody to cry. But if a person has, you know, what they call arayat, or if a person has a shiva, or where, where, where they say the Torah at the end, you know, most people don't really do eulogies today. Most people's eulogies are just the brehazuk, the musar. They'll bring out something very small from the person's life, and then they'll speak about how we can learn from it. 
You want to speak about good things. Eulogies are when you speak in a very sad way about the person who was niftar and bringing the people to tears and sadness. That we cannot do in the month of Nisan. However, however, to speak the Torah, the Hazuk, the Musar, that's always permitted. That's always good to hear, even without somebody passing away. It's always good to learn Musar and to learn Derecheretz. Next, the cemetery. Could a person visit the cemetery in the month of Nisan? So, the answer is, you got it, Mahlokit. There are different minhagim. Some actually have a minhag that the entire month of Nisan, they don't go to the cemetery. You have to check. It's brought down. But some have such a minhag. Some say, no, only in the days of the holiday. For example, from Pesach, Holomu'ed, Shabbatot, Yom Tov, that's the times when we don't go, or they don't go to the cemetery. But everybody will agree whether you have to go to the cemetery or not to go to the cemetery. If you are visiting Kibret Sadiqim, you're taking a trip to Israel, or you're going around in Europe, and you want to visit Kibret Sadiqim to pray over there, over there it's mutar. Because the idea of going to the cemetery, why it's forbidden or why people don't go, it's because it's going to cause one to cry. A guy is visiting somebody who passed away from his family or a good friend of his. It's going to lead him to cry or for sure he's going to be sad and these days of Nisan are supposed to be days of Simha it's not that just we don't say Tahanun and that's it no there's a, these are days of happiness so therefore when going to Kibret Sadikim, which are usually used as a Makom Kadosh it's a, it's a place of Tefillah we go there because in the merit of the righteous person buried here Hashem should listen to our Tefillot that will be fine to visit Kibret Sadikim in the month of Nisan, even those who have a custom not to go to cemeteries. For those who have a yurt site in the month of Nisan and they usually visit the cemetery, uh, you should check what is your menhag. But in, if, in case you have a menhag that you don't visit the cemetery, and it's possible, obviously, then a person who has a yurt site should go Erev Rosh Hodesh Nisan, should go before the month of Nisan, because anyway, Erev Rosh Hodesh is a good time when the Neshamot are there anyway. So that's a good time to visit. Moving on to the next halachot that are in the month of Nisan. And that is the laws of Berchat Ha'ilanot. We have a halacha, it's brought down in Johan Ruch and Hot Berachot, that we make a beracha on trees because this is a season when they start to grow and sprout. So in the beginning, when they first start to blossom, we make the special beracha. I want to read to you the words of Shohan Aruch inside because, and because of the halachot of pretty much all the halachot b'chat elenot could be sourced from the words of Shohan Aruch himself. Let's begin. Halacha says like this. Hayotze bime nisan. A person who's walking out, who's coming out in the days of nisan. He finds trees. They are starting to develop flowers. You know, when the tree, you look at a tree, when it first starts to grow, it looks like a little flower is coming out. Those are the leaves, or before the leaves come out, before the fruits come out, you saw those, those flowers are coming out. Omer says the Shohan Aruch, you say the following blessing. Baruch atah Hashem. Elokeinu melech ha'olam. No need to translate. Shelo haser ba'olam oklum, that he didn't leave his world missing anything. And he created good creatures in it. And good trees. And all that people should derive benefit from them. That is the blessing. All you need is to make one blessing per year. 
ומחל לברך עד אחר שגדלו הפירות, תלוי ברכה עוד. However, if it was delayed for whatever reason, person didn't have a chance to make a ברכה on the trees when it first started to sprout, to, to blossom, until the actual fruit started coming out, says Maran, don't make a ברכה anymore. So, we have a special blessing on the trees when they start to come out, which is in these days, and we have some important halachot on them. The reason why we have this blessing is to praise Hashem. Like most other blessings, it's berchat ha-shebah. And therefore, we look, we find that we see that the tree is ready, and then we make the beracha. <clears throat> What's the special praise about these trees? Because these are trees of food. And really, Hashem could have provided us with food just from plants. We have cucumbers and watermelons and tomatoes and peppers. There's no trees. But Hashem still, with His great kindness, He allowed all these trees to grow and that we should have beautiful trees and delicious fruits. So we give a special thanks and shebah to Hashem for that. Now, Maran begins, he says, Hayotze bimeni san. Some Sfarim say, Hayotze, he should go out, Chutz la'ir, preferably should go outside the city. This is not me'akeb, this is not a prerequisite. If you could, if you happen to be outside the city, even better. But there's no hayyub. But it says bimeni san, and here we have a mahlokid. In the multiple scheme. When, my, when the Shohan Aruch writes, in the days of Nisan, does that mean you could only make Rechat Elanot in Nisan? What if Nisan is so early? And then, by the time the trees start to grow, or by the time you find yourself a tree, it's only going to be after the month of Nisan. Or, what if Nisan is late? It's after a leap year, and therefore everything already started to grow in Adar. Could you do it before or after the month of Nisan? We have a Mahlokit. If you look in the Mishnah Berurah, Mishnah Berurah says, Lav Davka. It doesn't have to be in the days of Nisan. It's any time. It could be even in Adar if Pesach is late. Or it could be even in Iyar if Pesach is early. And that is the opinion also of Hakam Abadiyah and Hazan Abadiyah. Just, of course, you need the other condition, like we said, that makes sure it, uh, you know, it starts to grow and it didn't fully grow. But according to Mishnah Berurah and Hakam Abadiyah, it doesn't have to be in the month of Nisan. However, yeah, many Aharonim that disagree on this. Shoot, halakhoi ketanot. Hidda, ben yishai, rabhaim palachi, kafahayim. They all rule that's only in the days of Nisan. As Maran says, bimen Nisan. So the old Lezion says, a compromise. Obviously, if you have the chance to say it in Adar, wait. Wait till the month of Nisan. If for whatever reason you weren't able to say it in the month of Nisan, so when it comes to the month of year, say it, but without saying Shem Umalchu, don't say Hashem's name. So that's why you at least gave the Sheva and you didn't uh, put yourself in a safek where you might have made a Brachal Batala according to these lists of Ahrein that we just listed. Next, Maran says over here in the Beracha we say Ilanot Tobot. Ilanot is plural. And therefore the Halakha tells us when you make the Brachat Ilanot, there should be preferably two Trees. Next, Maran says, Lehanot Adam, which people take pleasure in. What is that referring to? That's referring to foods. It has to be that trees which we could get benefit from them, we take pleasure from them, not just by looking at them, but they should be fruit, uh, fruit trees. It shouldn't be regular trees, but it should be something that produces fruit whether it's a blueberry or all types of blackberries or an orange tree or a cherry tree, I don't have to list for you every single type of tree that's out there. You know yourselves. Make sure that's got to be a fruit tree. Also, 
you should look at that it should not be something that was planted by Isur. If it's Ola, which means it's a tree within the first three years of being planted, even in Hutzla Aritz, according to the Olitzion, you should avoid it. However, Hamadia and the Ben Yishai both rule that even if it's Ola tree, you're not eating from it, you're just making Beracha on it. If there's no other tree, you could be so on those opinions, and you can make Berachatila not even on trees within the first three years of being planted. Next, Halakha tells us, Maran says, you only make this beracha once a year. And therefore, since it has no specific time, it just happens to be that it falls out in these days. For example, if you live below the horizon, no, no, right, yeah, excuse me, yeah, below the horizon over there, you will have the season different. The trees will go at a different time. So you make a beracha over there in those days. So therefore, since it's not only now, it's not as mazvat asesh as man gerama, women are also obligated in this beracha. They do say this beracha with shame and malchut. And finally, Maran says, just make sure that the fruit's going to grow. Which means, the poskim break down. As long as there's still that flower that grows on the tree before the fruit comes out. You know that flower, you look closely to the tree, you see like a little flower. And then when the fruit gets bigger and bigger and bigger, that flower falls off the tree. As long as there's still flowers on the tree, you can make a bracha. Once the flowers fell off, it is too late to say the bracha of brachat ha'ilanot. Okay, now we move on to the third category of halachot, and that is koshering your house for Pesach. Before we get to the actual details of the this section of coaching your house for Pesach, I want to tell you that much of the things that we're going to say now are going to be really practical advice. Is it brought down in halakha? Some yes, some not. But most of it, it's really advice because it is the halakha hour. We do try to make it practical. We are saying things that, that hopefully, you know, we're going to give you some good ideas of what to do. Is it a hayub? No. We're trying to make your life easier. We all know the stress that ladies unfortunately feel when Pesach comes. And some people tell you, nah, I don't feel anything. Yeah, because you're going away on Pesach. Of course, you don't feel anything. You're selling your house. So, but we know that people who are staying and keeping and having the holiday here, they're not going away for Pesach. The ladies feel a lot of tremendous, a lot of stress and, and pressure and we have to have the house clean, especially if the husband is working and the wife are working and it's very hard. You have to take days off and then the kids come, you know, life continues and we still have to clean and there's so many things going on. So because of that, I want to give you some, a little bit of advice that we hope works, you know, we hope it works for you. We hope it works for others. So, Let's begin with a little bit of introduction of preparing yourself for Pesach. Rule number one, don't get overwhelmed. Sometimes just thinking about what you really have to do drives you crazy. And you feel so overwhelmed that you can't break. You buckle down. You, you can't even start because you don't know where to start. So as a general rule, don't get overwhelmed. If you're seeing you're overwhelmed, that is your buddy Yitz. Who's that Yitz? Yitz al Hara. Your buddy Yetzahara is coming there. Yes, there's Yetzahara for ladies as well, the, for cleaning up for Pesach. He's going to tell you you have to do this and you have to get every crumb and you have to get every little detail and he's going to drive you cuckoo and then you're going to drive your husband cuckoo and then you're going to drive the kids cuckoo and everybody's going to go crazy, right? Then you need another Yetzahara and then people decide to go away. So therefore, don't drive yourself crazy. Just calm down, relax, 
make a list for yourself. You have to know what has to be done. Bezat Hashem will discuss things that have to be done. Meanwhile, for yourself, to make it easy for yourself, write a list. Write down every single thing that you feel that you have to do for the holiday of Pesach. Why should you make a list? For a number of reasons. Number one is when you make that list, you know what's going to happen? When you make that list, you're going to see that sometimes it's not so crazy. Why? That's it. Sometimes it's, our mind, it's all in our mind and we feel it's much bigger, but we confine it to paper, to pen and paper, and we look at the list. Huh, it's not so bad. I, I find this so many times. Whenever we have to uh, plan an event, whether it's for the shul or for the kolel or for whatever it may be, we sit down, we make a list, it makes everything so much easier. Now we could ask the kids to help out. We could ask the yeshiva bakrim who are coming back from yeshiva for, yeshiva for ben azmanim. They're, they're not doing anything anyway, right? We could ask them to help out. So we could get a lot of people to come and help us out. And even sometimes the list by itself is much easier. Also when you make a list, you know what, what's also a benefit? If you have a person in your family that's learned in halakha, and if your rav has time and he's a big tzaddik and he could sit down with you with that list, Give him the list and tell him, show him what you want to do for Pesach. And he'll tell you which things on your list are halakha and which things are humrot and which things are stamim shugas. Right? This way you'll know. I have to do first what obligates me from halakha. Then if I have time, I'll get to the humrot. And if I have time, I'll get to my mishugas. Right? Although, yes, it's springtime and we decide, we end up deciding that we're going to do spring cleaning and we can get rid of all the clothing and everything else. But that's time. That's not something Mahala. No, you have to do. So that if you don't get to everything before Pesach, you don't get to the Meshugas part of the list before Pesach. So you don't have to Pesach. You get rid of those old shoes and old skirts and pants after Pesach. But at least when you make the list, you know what to do. Another thing to do when you have the list is that when you make the list, I found this also to be very helpful. I usually tell Hatanim, a lot of hatanim that are preparing for their weddings and they have a lot of things to do, tell them, make a list of what you have to do and write next to the list when you're going to do it. Don't just make a list. Write down when you're going to plan to do it. So one of the things is, I have to go get married in the city. Right? Okay, so write down when you're going to go. Which day are you going to take off from work and you're going to go to the city? You're going to write a list now after clean up the cabinets in the kitchen. Okay, which day is you going to take care of the cabinets in the kitchen? Which day are you going to stop Hametz in this room? Which days are you going to buy the matzot? Which days are you going to buy the other supplies for Pesach? Make a list and write down next to it when you're going to take care of it. This helps out a lot. We will have our list to help you out also in preparing for the holiday Pesach, especially for the Leil HaSeder. We have it on the video. We'll try to mention it also towards the end of the classes. But try to make yourselves a list. Next. If you have any questions on Pesach, make sure that you contact somebody who's knowledgeable on the halachot of Pesach and not stam anybody that you feel may know more than you. Right? There's always that lady on the block that happens to know more than everybody else. And all of a sudden she decides everything. Oh, what? You didn't, you didn't scrub out the bottom of your shoe? Oi! So much chametz over there. How could you? Well, I, I don't know if I could count you as a yid. <laughs> they have some people. I don't know. People, they got smicha by default somehow from the rest of the people on the, on the block. 
So make sure you ask your questions to somebody who is knowledgeable. Make sure you contact your rabbi. Make sure you tell your husband, please ask your rabbi. Don't ask your chavrusa. Don't ask your friend. Ask, ask somebody who knows. Maybe his friend and his chavrusa may know. You may have a brother. You may have a nephew. You may have a grandson that's actually knowledgeable in halakhot. Contact them. Speak to them about all the different things if you have questions on it. Here, by, by the J Root Radio, Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of people that you can listen to and you can get a lot of tips and help. You have Rabbi Tahan on Fridays. You have Rabbi Wicklow on Mondays. And uh, we just we came up with the email recently, halakhahour at gmail.com. We'll try to answer as much as we can. Also, regarding, I found that most of the questions that I get in preparation for Pesach are usually ingredients. Rabbi, could we buy this? Could we buy that? Could we buy this? Could we buy that? You know how I answer, how I answer those questions? I'll tell you my secret. I take out Passover guides, and I look and I see if that ingredient is listed or not. Because there's a lot of things that may not say Kashela Pesah, and they're Kashela Pesah. You just have to know what they are. So what do you think? I remember everything. People text me and they think I know everything. So now, recently my answer has been, Baruch Hashem, there's a way to be able to access all these things. My answer has been, go to the OU Passover Guide or the Star K Passover Guide. Over there they have an ingredients list, a medicine list, things to avoid, things to take, rice, all the different things that you need to know. What to buy, what you could have on Pesach, what's Hametz, what's not Hametz, go look over there. If there are some things that may seem a little fishy, so then ask your rabbi again. Come back, those you ask rabbi. But if you you can answer 75% of the question. Which formula can I use? Which um, detergent for the Ashkenazim? Which detergent can I use? Go get those things. It's very, very easily accessible. The OU Passover Guide, you just Google it. Or the Star K Passover Guide 2016, make sure you write this year. Also, Rabbi Blumenkrantz has a wonderful book every year. They come out. His children come out with the book. And also over there, he has many, many things. If you agree or not agree, it doesn't make a difference. But over there... You can, it'll certainly help you. And you have any questions, again, always make sure you ask a reliable Talmid Hacham who knows his halachot, and it should be your rabbi. Now, when reaching out to your rabbi and asking him all your questions on Pesach, keep in mind two things. Number one is be patient with the rabbi until he, he replies, until he finds an answer for you. Not always is the rabbi ready for all the questions. Most of the time he will be. But a lot of times, you know, he has to look it up. A lot of times, you're caller number 75. There's 74 people ahead of you, and he's answering many people. You shouldn't feel embarrassed to ask. Don't feel like you're burdening the rabbi. Even if you are, that's what his job is. Our job as rabbanim, it's a responsibility that we have to make sure that we answer the questions, especially in these days, in the days of the holiday, that everybody should make sure that to keep what's halakha, and to avoid anything that's asur hasbe shalom. So therefore, don't feel that you're burdening the rabbi. How should you not feel that way? Very simple. Don't actually burden him. You know what you should do? Not that you not to ask. Ask. But be smart in how you ask. Don't call every five minutes. Rather, take a piece of paper, write down all the questions, and at the end of the day, you feel, okay, I need to know how to act on this. Let me call the rabbi now and find out what do I do for my list of questions. You know, works Better, if you ask the rabbi, when does the rav have time that I can ask all my questions over here? You know, some people will call and ask about questions that are not practical. They're not for now for Pesach. They're, uh, in seven months from now, I'm thinking maybe I want to do this. What's the halakha? This is not the time right now within the month of Pesach when everybody's calling. 
It's not the best time to ask these questions. And that's how you won't burden the rabbi. But if you're asking things about Pesach, and you're asking in a way because you really, it's and you want to know what to do, especially if you're coming with a list, you're definitely not burdening him. You are um, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're asking. And the rabbi has to answer you, has to give you the exactly the right guidance of what to do. Next, you should know that on Pesach, many people have many hamrot. We've said this story in the past. I want to say it again. There's a story where the Hafez Hayim um, hosted one of the Gidolei Hador at the time, Rabbi Chaim Salavechi. Okay? Now, what happened? They came over and they never put out, he didn't put out any food for him. Hafez Hayim, who was known as Big Baal Hesed, so was Rabbi Chaim Salavechi, he didn't put out any food for him. So now, people who were there, they had a big question. Hey, Kvod Harav, I'm sure they didn't say Kvod Harav, you know, they had different ways. And anyway, so they said, uh, you know, Rav Chaim was here, Rav Chaim Salavechik. How come you don't offer him any food? You know, a regular guest, usually, you offer them some food. It's Pesach. So he says, that's exactly why I didn't put any food. I know he's very mahmir. And therefore, I don't want him to feel uncomfortable that he's sitting in my house. I don't know what his hamrot are. Maybe he doesn't eat by anybody's house. Yeah, even by me, by the Habit Sayyim, the author of Nushan Barah. Maybe he doesn't eat by my house. He, and it's a humrah. So therefore, I don't want to make him uncomfortable. I didn't put out anything for him to eat. And therefore, Abotai, this is what we tell you. Pesach is the time when people have the most humrot that you could find throughout the whole year. Understand that these humrot are from, they're, they're sourced from Kedusha. Baruch Hashem, people want to be careful and they should be careful. And it's brought down, if you want to be mahmir, this is the time to be mahmir. This is the holiday of the Ba'alei Tshuva. This is the holiday when we first became a nation. This is a holiday when a person as little, as much as you could cut out from extra things, is one to be mahmir. So therefore, if some people have hamrot that you don't have, respect it. If they're coming to eat over you, try to accommodate it. So you eat kitniot, they don't eat kitniot. You'll use corn oil and they don't use corn oil. If they're eating by you, don't say, ah, listen, this is what I do in my house. You don't want, don't come. It's not nice. Try to respect, try to accommodate if you can. If you can't, don't invite them. Now, if you invite them, try to accommodate, try to respect their humrot. Try to respect them in hagim. If they don't eat gabraks, okay, they don't dip their matzah in water. Don't, don't make fun. Even things don't, don't make sense. There are people who don't eat hummus. People don't eat hummus on Pesach. Why? It's chickpeas. Not because kidneyo. They'll eat other kidneyo, but they won't eat hummus. You know why? Because it sounds like hamitz. Don't make fun of that. That's a true minhag. It's a good minhag. Anything that's connected to Pesach, it's good. Because people, at least, even if it really doesn't make sense, but at least people feel the stringency, the humrah of hamitz on Pesach. Number two, when people have humrot that you don't have, don't get intimidated. Number three, also don't get offended. It's not that they don't want to eat by you. They're mahmir. Did the Havet Sayyim get offended that the Chaim Salavechik doesn't eat by him? No. It's understandable. This is a holiday when, when it can be done. A lot of times people get so offended and make fights over nothing. It's Pesach. Allow it. If you, if you get intimidated, ask your Rav. Should I do this? Maybe I should do it. Maybe it's a humrah that I should take upon myself. Maybe I shouldn't. But for sure, try not to get offended and try to respect and accommodate Everybody else's humrot. Okay, we're pretty much done with this class. Um, just last, last point, and that is, for Pesach, you should get yourself to help. That means, ladies, 
it might be worth it to, you know, if you can't afford it, it might be worth it to cut out on other things. But if it could be afforded, definitely this is what, what should happen. Get yourself extra help. Get some cleaning ladies, cleaning crews to come and help you uh, clean up for Pesach. It's not worth it to spend the holiday or the days leading up to the holiday with stress and anger and fighting and always yelling at each other, why'd you do this, why'd you do that? Make sure you get yourself some help and this way you could clean for Pesach with a little bit more relaxed. It's not going to be 100% relaxed. It's not going to be al You're not going to be in vacation, um, you know, cleaning. You know, it's not going to be a vacation for you when you clean the house. It's, it's going to be rough a little bit, but at least it helps a lot. It alleviates a lot of the pressure and the stress when you know somebody else is helping you out. Even somebody that you pay for, it's better. It's hard, I know, to reserve them now. But, you know, before Trump comes on, you can still have a plenty of time to get some extra help. So this way you can enjoy your holiday. For, for, for further reading or, or things to learn about Pesach, you could listen to the Halakha Hour classes, the ones that we had in the past. You can email me at halakhahour at gmail.com. We'll refer you to other classes. Also, there's some very good books out there. The book put out by, by David Ribiat on the laws of Pesach. He's usually very, very thorough for anybody who's learned or not learned it. It's in English and he has a lot of notes in Hebrew in the back. It's an excellent book. Rabbi Blumenkrantz's book is really full of a lot of important information. And like we said, the guides from the Star K and the OU also help out a lot for ingredients. And uh, that's it. You pray for and Hashem will help us Hashem, prepare ourselves properly for the holiday of Pesach. And enjoy the wonderful holiday of Pesach until Barzat Hashem Mashiach comes soon. And we celebrate Hamed's free Pesach in Yerushalayim and Akodesh in the Beit HaMikdash. Barzat Hashem will be taking phone calls right now off the air. You can call us in at 718-683-5858 or text in at 347-927-8398. Thank you, Iran. Thank you, Nisim. Thank you, J. Root, for hosting us. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week, Barzat Hashem.